0: morning everyone. Before we get uh, heavily into what we're... Okay, I'm just going to stop talking because these pages are not numbered and they are out of order. (laughs) This could be a very interesting message. We'll see how these... (laughs) Okay, well, let's see what happens. The spirit's going to move today. All right. Um, Here's what we're going to try to do in some sort of order, Um, is before we get really deep into what the bulk of the message is, I want to define something we're going to make a big fuss about today. So we're going to make a big fuss today, and I want to make sure everybody understands what we're talking about. So this is especially for those of you who are new to Lakeland or maybe new to Christianity. You're beginning that journey this summer. We believe that God uses all sorts of things to reach people and to change us into the people he made us to be. And one of the things that God uses to reach us and change us is other people. We believe that the power of the Holy Spirit flows through other people to us in in a a unique way than other ways that God's working with us. So to make sure that everyone in the church has access to this type of Holy Spirit power, we have a ministry we call Small Groups. And that can be a little bit of a secret code, so before we get into it, I want to help you get a picture in your head of what a small group in a church is so you would imagine um, three to up to ten people ten would be a huge small group but it happens so about three to ten people imagine them meeting in a home during the week or in the church building here somewhere other than on a sunday or at breakfast, over breakfast at a restaurant, or in a room at someone's place of business, but so this people they're meeting somewhere, and they're meeting about once a week. Some meet every other week. When they get they have gathered, this group of people you're imagining, around something um, that brings them together. Maybe it's something they enjoy. Maybe they all play. Tennis together and they've made a small group out of that or maybe they all enjoy cooking or knitting or maybe they've gotten together because there's a book that they all want to read together and discuss or maybe they've gotten together because there's a a spiritual practice they want to do they want to pray together or they want to serve somewhere in the community together when they gather they're gathered for about 90 minutes to a couple of hours and during this intentional time they care for one another teach one another, challenge one another to grow in their spiritual life. Most people who take part in this type of setting that I'm describing say that real spiritual growth happens more in that setting than sitting here listening to preaching on a Sunday. We also have a ministry called Redemptive Communities. They're like small groups in most ways, except they can be larger, sometimes much larger than just 10 people. They are usually, uh, and here at Lakeland this is true, gathered around a cause. So we have one gathered around serving our brothers and sisters in Mexico, and we have one called Mercy Street that gathers around uh, everyone, helping everyone to heal from hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We believe that something called community, the power of the Holy Spirit through other people, happens in these types of settings. Community also happens when we have a class on marriage or parenting in the church it also happens at the gatherings uh, through the school year of the women's ministry when they get together for different uh, things that they do also happens uh, on the Saturday morning men's breakfast we have here at the church so we believe God works in these settings through people to help people uh, become Christian and to become better Christians there is a spiritual power in community, and that is no doubt why our pastors, Dan and Lori, uh, made sure to get into the name of the church, Lakeland Community Church. So as uh, Julie was saying this morning, if as we're talking, stories are coming to you about how you have seen the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life or in the lives of others in a small group, you can text those in. So I know you're all very social media savvy and uh, post things all the time so you, we, today we're going to you know crowdsource our testimonies of what god has done so that's what we'll be doing so you can text 22333 make sure you put lakeland ls as the first word um and then just a line or two about a time you've seen the power of the spirit the power of god at work in a small group and we will have a time at the end of service when we'll we'll share those all together so if you're not currently involved in, in these types of ministries that I'm describing, some fresh opportunities are, are opening and are open now for you to jump in. So you have a blue card in your program this morning, and right now, see the small groups are forming. Small group leaders are on the fence. They're deciding, oh, okay, will I lead one of those in the fall or not? hmm, and uh, do I want to be in one? Everybody's thinking, so it's all taking shape right now. So if you fill out that card, you put your name, something you'd be interested in maybe, uh, uh, times you're available, then we can contact you once the small groups are firmed up. We can say, okay, here's something that matches what you express interest in. Also, if we get a bunch of cards, we can take those to a leader who's kind of waffling and on the fence. We can say, look, there's three people who really would love the type of thing that you are able to do. And so we can help one another. So think that through, pray that through, especially if you've led before and you're wondering if you should do it again um, as we talk today and through the week. Be in prayer if maybe the Lord might not be calling you to do that in the fall for this community. But that card is a good way for you to get started. If you want something more immediate, as soon as the school year starts, I believe the women's ministry will start their things again. So watch the program and, um, and the lobby table if you're a woman. For men, we have uh, men's breakfast. It's on first and third Saturday mornings here at the church at eight o'clock. So our next one will be August 1st. We're having a great discussion, a great discussion this summer that you can come and be part of. So there's our definitions. In 2013, uh, Lakeland elders were beginning to get us prepared for our next financial challenge. So here at Lakeland, for over a decade now, about every three years, we've launched a financial challenge, this extra giving that we do to do more ministry in our community and around the world. So in 2013, we were asking ourselves, as we do every time, uh, why would we want to do another financial challenge? And the answer came back, as it always does, Uh, Because we believe nothing changes your soul more quickly and more permanently and more deeply than sacrificial financial giving. Generosity turns hearts towards Christ faster than anything. Jesus alluded to that in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. But for this financial challenge, we wanted to go a step further. We asked, what else turns hearts towards Christ besides giving? And the second answer came to the surface very quickly, community. When Christians get into the same space as other Christians, the Lord is there, and He does something through people, for other people, that's miraculous. Uh, Jesus also said that in Matthew 18, 20, "...for where two or three are gathered together as my followers... I am there among them. We said, you know what? It takes courage to do either of these things. Giving generously takes courage. um, Opening up time in our schedule. And then when we show up, being real and bringing our real selves, that takes courage. So over the top of these spiritual practices, we put the word fearless. Because that's what we would need to grow in God grow close to God in these ways, fearless. And then underneath, three words then appear, give, gather, go. Go is something we're going to talk about next year, so stay tuned. Last year, we focused on giving very heavily, and things got off to an amazing start with that. Fearless is um, stronger than any financial challenge we've done, other than the very first one, which got us into the building. So for this year, 2015, we switched the focus to, the, to gathering. And here's what's happened so far. We had two classes on marriage in the spring, and one of them was completely full, wall-to-wall people. Uh, we had Financial Peace University for kids called Generation Change. Lots of teens and families participated in that. Um, we had women's ministry events. We had a milestone for families they could go on retreat together learn how to enjoy one another it was full um, we had prayer retreats and this is the uh, first time in a long time this has happened but the prayer retreats were completely full wasn't room for one more person uh, men's breakfast attendance has doubled this year what about the core uh small groups and redemptive communities how are they doing of our full participating members in January were in a small group or a redemptive community. For something that's high commitment like that, that's a huge, huge number. Um, 48% of everyone who comes to the church regularly was in a small group or a redemptive community in January. Now, just two years ago, that number was 40%. So it's grown greatly. Still to come this year, opportunities for community. We have Lakeland Camp which next week the so last week to sign up for that. Uh, we have a milestone of first communion for parents uh, uh, and second graders to do together. We have more prayer retreats coming. We have a milestone for those entering kindergarten and their families called Welcome to Kindergarten. And we share, um, oh gosh, a lot of great those kindergartners, at that age where you start to do some things spiritually with them that they can actually participate in and so welcome to kindergarten's a milestone where you can get all that down we have a men's float trip women will have a retreat and don't forget the celebration of advent which we all do in our homes that leads up to the christmas season so i had planned to spend this summer series doing what you know pastors sometimes do lean on everyone really hard you know Full court press. Get involved in community. Gather, gather, gather. Well, it's not necessary. You're doing it. You're participating at a high level. Um, Things that have offered been offered this year have consistently uh, filled up. So I am really excited. This creates a unique opportunity when rather than depress people to do things they're not currently doing. we can take something you are currently doing and say, okay, now how can we increase the spiritual power of this? How can we make this life-changing and even more impactful for us? So that's what we're gonna do this morning. Um, because as great as things are right now, and they are great, it won't last if we don't pay, take care of it, right? Nothing great lasts if you don't pay intentional attention to it, to water it and feed it and care for it. If we don't pay attention to the power of community and, and, and do things to care for it, we will by default start filling our schedules up with busyness again. We will stop showing up to our small group even before the, the first season is over. Our leaders will start getting more and more phone calls that were not showing up, and pretty soon we'll stop showing up even without a phone call. We'll get bored, we'll get dry, we'll get tired, we'll get stale. And something that was once a powerful blessing in our life will change into something that kind of is dull and then goes to powerless, It's not really doing anything, and then it will it'll become something we resent. I remember one time uh, a guest pastor was here preaching and somehow the subject of small groups came up in their message and they said, when I think about getting in a small group, it just makes me want to go Bleh! I thought, man, that's, that's somebody who has run the basis too many times without feeding and watering and caring for it, and it got to be something that was first dull, I bet, and then powerless, and now they resent it. Just thinking about it makes them feel like, you know, bleh. So I want to share this morning four things uh, that pastors here have uh, put together that we think. Okay, I bumped it, but I didn't shut it off. (laughs) I want to share four things that pastors here in the church that will um, help your group stay fresh and alive, help your group stay together, that will increase the spiritual power of this tool that God's giving us that we're calling this year, Gather. So... Get out your tool belt. So I don't know what your tool belt is. Is it notes you're taking on a program? Or do you like to punch things into your phone? Or are you like, no, I can just absorb things and it's here. However you take on new tools, be ready to do that because here is our first tool. Our first tool for community and gathering, it probably applies mostly to small group leaders. And that is to get training and mentoring. Training and mentoring. So mentoring might look like, um, think of a small group that you like what goes on there. You appreciate what that small group leader does. They do some neat things. Their group has a neat feel. Ask that group leader if they would let you take them out to coffee for a few weeks, maybe a few months, depending how, how awesome they are. And in that time, just pick their brain, share their experiences, talk about your experiences, and you'll absorb from this person uh, some of what makes them such a great small group leader. You can also add to your tool belt by participating in intentional training. Our pastor uh, Marta Gilliland, she offers two trainings a year for small group leaders, and so all of us who lead small groups, as I do with you, um, are welcome to show up to these. First thing that happens in small group training is we get a reminder of why are we doing this again? Uh, why? What's the point? And you kind of go to the training like, oh yes, I remember. I remember why we do this. You can also learn in small group training how to handle tough situations. Like what if you have someone in your small group who's always in crisis? Like every week they have some new cataclysmic blow up. You wouldn't even know if someone else in the group had any problems because this person's problems take up all the time. That's something that happens in small groups. And through training, you can learn how to address that. What if someone in your group just talks too much? You know, you're sharing, and then they raise their hand, you're like, oh, okay, you call on them, and you know you're strapped in for 45 minutes. That's how long it (laughs) takes them to say anything. Um, And so that's a problem in small groups, but through training, you can learn how to negotiate that and and address that. You can also, in training, learn how to um, uh, cause good situations to happen. How can you help your small group members feel really comfortable in prayer? How can you help your small group members know the Bible? How can you uh, celebrate people or appreciate people or or really care for people better? Another thing that happens in training is you're there with other small group leaders. So you'll hear from them good ideas that you'll want to steal. Um, You'll also uh, be able to share your good ideas with them. So you'll make the church stronger just by showing up because something you say may help someone else. So when I went to a small group training once, I was sitting there and they were talking about how even the every other week groups, that can be too intense of a schedule for some uh, phases of life. And I was starting to feel like I might be in that kind of phase of life and I was feeling like, you know, I was lame or something. They said, well, why don't you try in your small group to have uh, short but intense seasons? So for my small group now, we started meeting for six weeks in the early spring, and then we take half or all of March off. And then we meet for six weeks in the late spring, and then we take the summer off. And then we meet for six weeks in the fall, and we take the holiday season off. And for us, that has been, been great, just perfect for me, the age of my kids and everything. So I'm really glad I went to the training and picked that up. I don't know what you may pick up, but I recommend training and mentoring. That's our first tool. All right, second tool, and this could apply to the entire group. If your group's been together for years, uh, it is perhaps time to freshen things up and to go deeper. But in what direction will you go deeper? Well, to do that, just the leader or the leader and the group together can look and say, what are the patterns that are already emerging in our group? What are the patterns already going on? For instance, maybe there's a pattern where Cindy in the group has had six jobs in four years. What's going on with that? Maybe Matt has been complaining about his marriage, complaining about his marriage, but he doesn't do anything ever to make it better. Or maybe there's a pattern where Chris is in the group and out of the group, out of the group, back into the group. This is a pattern, like a pinball machine. Well... Based on those patterns, maybe there's something God wants to do in your group. So you could say, hey, why don't we pool our money together in this group and let's bring in a marriage counselor to do a marriage class just for our group. It's tailored just to the six or eight of us. Or why don't we um, make our own marriage retreat?" We'll go down to the lake. We'll do the boats. We'll have this marriage counselor come down, and we'll have fun all day, and in the night, they'll teach us something. We're going to make our own thing, and it's just for us in this group because we know each other, and we can really share and go deep with this expert that we all paid a little to bring in. You can say, let's say we're talking about the... uh, the job problem. Let's bail on our normal group night and instead in the fall, let's have our group sign up together to go to listen to my life. Listen to my life is a class the church does. It helps you see the patterns in your life that God's using. Maybe we can help Cindy like discover a career she'd actually enjoy and be good at and stick in. Or maybe we could discover that Cindy is one of those people who just likes to change careers every few years and she's fine, it doesn't bother her. That could be a wonderful thing to learn that there's nothing wrong with someone saying, well, this is what I'm gonna do for a few years. And then in a few years, you know, I'm gonna move on to something else because I like to do that. If, If that's how God made her, then that'd be a great thing to learn and celebrate. Uh, the guy who's bouncing in and out, in and out of group. Maybe your group can say, let's take a season and let's just talk about busyness and let's just really talk about our schedules and let's really look at what our values. If we value this, then why are we spending so much time doing this? And let's make our schedules match who we are and deal with this busyness problem. You may also look at your group and see positive patterns that you've never done anything with. Like Sue always hosts our group and she always makes his treats. Does Sue like doing that? She might, but we've never really asked. Uh, Jason, he's such an encourager. He always has those great lines in the group when he says, I can see God in your life working this way. Uh, has the group ever recognized what a great encourager Jason is? So you take those patterns and you say, you know what, why don't we throw a party for Sue and Jason and tell them how much we appreciate them. Next group. Or uh, our group is clearly wanting to go into prayer more. Let's go on a prayer retreat altogether. Um, Let's take our group to a new level and a new place because we all signed up for this group at one point in the past to do some spiritual work. So now let's look at the patterns in our lives and see, well, where may God be directing us to do work through the things already going on? So when when my group, uh, years ago, I was in a group and we were in our late 20s, early 30s, and the pattern of our group was that it was getting dried up and crusty. Like, people weren't coming so often when they came. They didn't have much to say. How you doing? The answer is always fine. You know, it's just kind of, uh, er. You ask people to read something, wouldn't read it. Dry. So uh, the group members decided, why don't we address this pattern by uh, having Garrett's dad come to the group, which I was kind of like, okay, I, yeah, I, Pretty much heard all that before. but uh, So they invited my dad to come to the group. And they said, you are uh, been a Christian much longer than us, so just teach us anything you think you want to teach us. And so he began to take us through some things in the fall. And one of the things that got close to Christmas he showed us how to do and reminded me that we used to do was celebrating the season of Advent in our homes, a season leading up to Christmas. Now, if you've been around Lakeland in a December... You know what a powerful thing this has become in the life of our church to celebrate Advent. Well, it came out of that small group that was getting dried up and crusty and decided to do something about that pattern. So you don't know what power God may be trying to release through your group, through something you think is a negative pattern at the moment. But what would have happened if we had just decided, oh, I guess we're dried up and we're not doing it anymore? If we hadn't invited him in, if we we may have not changed the whole church. You don't know. You just don't know what God's going to do. So look at, the, look at the patterns. Look at the patterns. That's your second tool. Okay, third tool. If you, uh, and that is, the third tool is do something with your small group other than just small group. If you haven't done this yet, uh, you're going to experience a fresh wind of the Spirit. Go on a ski trip together. Or, um, I'm cheap, I would never do that. Um, you could, you could uh, just throw some tents down out at Lake Jacomo or Longview Lake. It doesn't have to be a big to-do where you even don't even have to leave town. And there you'll be sitting out there and cooking hot dogs over a little fire that you all built together and fighting the raccoons off your potato chips all night. And uh, Maybe you're more of an indoor person. Uh, go to a movie and then afterwards go out for ice cream with your small group. I have seen small groups in the November come to our Hanging of the Greens where we decorate the church for Christmas all together. I see these small groups walking in together and they have, it's a, they're having a blast stringing lights and fighting with artificial Christmas trees and they're doing it all together and they're doing something different together. Um, there's a, a guy in the church who drives around a van and feeds the homeless and you're invited. Your small group can go with this guy. Uh, Steve Hans is his name. And, and, and you can go with him. And your group can experience that together. Some, a whole world that you never see going on all around you. Taking the same people to a new place to serve or a new place just to enjoy one another will let you hear from God from those same old people in a new way that you never have before. So I can't describe exactly how it all happens. It's something you have to experience. So try it. If your group's been around a while, do something together besides small group. Last tool that we have time for this morning is to open your group to someone new. Uh, what I'm going to say here is true of any kind of group. Small groups. It's true of sports teams. It's true of bands. It's true of uh, churches. And that is that if it's the same people year after year, it feels very safe and comfortable. But after a while, it starts dying. But because it's so safe and comfortable, it takes you a long time, too long, to notice that the thing is dying. When it's the same people doing the same thing, telling the same jokes, remembering the same stories, we tell ourselves, oh, I like these people. Uh, They like me. They aren't judging me. They aren't annoying me. Um, we understand each other's weirdities. That's a great word. It's not a real word, but I like it. We understand each other's weirdities. We're like, uh, you know, they, I'm weird, you're weird, but we live around each other. It's all so comfortable. But secretly our soul is saying, what's the point of this again? Are we doing this again? Again. same? Okay. I remember growing here once, but what happened? Here's what happened. Pastor Jack Liu of China, remember a member of Chinese pastor, he came here once several years ago and he preached right where I'm preaching and he told us about the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Holy Spirit's power is like a fire. The Holy Spirit's power is like a wind. The Holy Spirit's power is like rushing water. He said, you can't take the power of the Holy Spirit's wind and catch it in a balloon. He said, you can't take the flowing water, the power of the Spirit, and keep it in a bottle. He said, the power is in the flow. Do you remember him saying this? He speaks pretty good English, but his whole sermon point was at the end, was like, don't be bottle, be pipe. Remember that? Don't be a bottle, be a pipe. Because the Holy Spirit's power came to you from somewhere and it flows out to somewhere else. And this is the power of the Spirit. Does anyone here like movies some do, some don't, but... Have you ever noticed that there are some movies that are so good that you can watch them over and over again, right? You walk through the living room, it's in the middle of the movie, and you sit down and watch it again. You didn't mean to. Have you ever noticed that even a movie you love and can watch over and over again, after a while, you're kind of done, right? I remember the seventh time I saw Jurassic Park, I thought, I don't need to come back. <laughs> um, all right? So even movies you love and can watch over and over again, you finally get done. Have you ever noticed you're done, right? You can watch it again if you're watching it with someone who's never seen it before. Have you noticed this? You can sit down with someone who's never seen it before, and your lips are moving with the dialogue. You know this thing so well. But as the jokes are unfolding, the mysteries unfolding, the scary parts are happening, you're like feeling it vicariously that this new person is discovering it all over again and somehow that excitement is passing back into you. So when I think of this phenomenon, I think of Seabiscuit. Remember this with Tobey Maguire and the racehorse? So my dad has seen Seabiscuit like 20 times. I think only maybe the first time, two or three, did he watch it by himself. The other 17 viewings of Seabiscuit happened because anytime, and I watched this happen so many times, we'd be sitting and my dad is meeting somebody new and he'd work it in. Have you ever seen Seabiscuit? <laughs> and they'd of course say no. And he'd say, you've got to see Seabiscuit. Biscuit. I'm going to go down to the family video. I'm going to rent Seabiscuit right now. you got to come over and watch it. And so, you know, after like 10 times, you realize he's bought this movie three or four times. So then he finally bought his own copy. So, uh, but you, there was a couple of years there where you could go over to my dad's house and you walk in the door and you could hear the... You're like, oh my goodness, you know, the apostle of Seabiscuit is winning another convert. And so, uh, but it was the, the joy of a new person, right? Makes it fresh all over again well christianity is like sea biscuit. <laughs> it's meant to be shared your group will be invigorated when you're sitting there in the room and someone says okay um the other day i was driving in my car and i found myself talking out loud to god is this normal behavior and your group will say, of course it's normal behavior. We all do that. You know, it keeps us from yelling mean things to other drivers. Um, yeah, that's totally normal to get to a place you begin to converse with God. You know, you'll be sitting in the group and someone will say, the pastor mentioned a couple of times spiritual gifts. Uh, does anyone know how I could find out if I have spiritual gifts? your group will say, of course, we can help you find that out. In fact, we've been with you so long, we know you so well, we can probably just tell you what they are. We've seen them at work, right? You'll have that moment when the, someone in your group goes, okay, wait a minute. This is all very strange because I grew up thinking Christianity was supposed to be boring. Are you telling me if this group goes on a trip together or if we go out and have a fun night together that something spiritual is happening? Your group can say, of course, something spiritual is happening when we come together. And you'll see that moment of relief when they're like, oh, I thought this was too good to be true. I'm so glad that God is not lame. And and so all these things that you've come to take for granted when there's just a new person there discovering it for the first time, it'll become all fresh and alive to you again. So you don't have to invite a stranger into your group if you're not that adventurous. Some of you are, and so please do. But at least uh, think about inviting someone you just kind of know someone you just sort of met, someone you kind of see hanging at the periphery of the church community. Not only is it the calling of our church to, to, to reach our community, it also may be the only way that your great group will stay fresh and alive because the power of the Spirit has to flow. It can't be bottled up. So those are our four tools for this morning. Seek training and mentoring. Look for the patterns in your group and see what God may be guiding you to next. Do stuff with your group besides small group and look outward. Bring a new person in because new people bring life to old things. Giving and gathering, it changes our souls. Guys, when Christ returns and establishes his kingdom, Giving and gathering will be part of it. Generosity and community are never going away. So when we train for these things in this life, we are preparing ourselves like athletes for the things that will be part of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We're going to have communion now, if the servers want to come forward. The root word of communion is the same root word of community. They come from the same place that's named that way because this is the meal taken together. So there's a lot of symbolism in communion. Last week we talked about coming out of the world and into the kingdom of God. I think we before that, the sacrifice of Christ and forgiveness. Today I want us to look at the angle of it, of uh, that it's the, the table set by God for all of God's people. And so we are doing this together. So when you tear off a piece of bread, we're tearing it We would do one loaf if there weren't so many of you. So you have to kind of imagine, like, it represents one loaf. And you tear off a piece of bread because Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. And many times in Scripture it says, we are the body of Christ. So we're all one. So we're taking from this one loaf, realizing we're all a piece of this one family of God. When you dip it in the chalice, it's because he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So we dip this one body that is us into this cup to realize what brought us all together was we realized that God has forgiven us. We were broken. We came from varying levels of of a bad bad place, but he made us one and he invites us to his table all together. And... Mm-hmm. He says, when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death till I eat and drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. And so we realize this is practice because our eternal life won't just be us with God. It'll also be all of us with each other. So let's be cognizant this morning as we tear off the bread and dip it in the cup that we're doing it as a family, a community. And the God's power is, is, is there, but it's also between each and every one of us here in the room. Let us pray And then we'll begin. Father, we thank you for all the ways that you reach us. Prayer, miracles, your word, the Bible. One another, the church. The seen and the unseen, Lord. You're always in relationship with us. This morning we thank you for the table that you have set and that you invite us all to it to be your sons and daughters, brothers and sisters to each other in the kingdom of Christ. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and we have not recited the Apostles' Creed in some time. These are the beliefs that are the foundation of of this church family. So let's be reminded of that again. Let's take five minutes or so here to introduce yourself to someone you, you've not met before. So you just trade names and say, well, how many years have you been coming to Lakeland? Because they might say, oh, just one day. Or they might say, well, 19 years. So that's a good way to get to know someone new. After five minutes, you'll look around. You'll know everybody left by first name so you can hang out with whoever you want. So let's take this opportunity to meet someone we've not met before. Go in peace.